in the vast expanse of the cosmos. Far beyond the reaches of known space lies a cluster of uncharted systems, a mysterious realm where stars blaze like celestial beacons guiding or luring wayward souls. As the starship's engines hum with the energy of a thousand suns, your crew stands at the threshold of the unknown. The ship, a marvel of interstellar engineering, is your sanctuary and your vessel to points unknown. Your mission? Explore these uncharted systems to uncover that which is ancient and buried on many a forgotten world, to negotiate with peoples long cut off from the light of the sun and unravel the mysteries that lie hidden in the depths of space. But beware, for not all secrets are meant to be unearthed, and the darkness between the stars holds perils beyond imagination and worlds without number. the jaunty mantis this is a podcast about creative questions for curious gamers yes welcome indeed stay a while and listen that is my lovely co-host jesse i am the other co-host maddie we are those two curious gamers we love role-playing games we love talking about role-playing games we love the creative process around role-playing games and that's what season two is all about with creation without number 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 that's right and this particular variety or flavor of creations without numbers is kevin crawford sci nominee publishing stars without number the sci-fi edition and we have created a sci-fi setting in our first two parts but jesse what are we doing for this one what what's what's our goal here I wanted to we wanted to pick something thematic to the setting and one of those things of course in sci-fi is starships there are of course starships in the rule book but there is uh some rules for if you want to create your own so i thought hey it might be fun to make a starship my idea of where to start on this and pitch me yours tell me if you're we'll say it at the same time because that'll be great audio <laughs> or, or not uh you go is first. we we pick sort of like a, a merchant ship uh, like the Serenity mm-hmm. um, in Firefly or something that would be the player's starting ship or maybe like the main villain bounty hunter who might be chasing them or something, their ship, and see if we can make that, give it some quirks, etc. Yeah, so you you just briefly touched on where I wanted to, where I was thinking about taking this. We can do whatever we want. But I thought we'd start with the question. The creative question is, what is the purpose of this ship? You know, not in universe, but are we creating a ship for our party? If we're playing in this setting uh, that we built with Stars Without Number, is the purpose of building our starship for our group? Or is it 
an adventure site, like a one shot adventure site with the like uh, think of it as a like an opening adventure. It's a ship that they can they can get right that they can reuse, repurpose or at least gut for technology. Because when I was reading the uh, section on building a starship, which listener is on page 94 of stars without number, I was getting so many ideas that I thought would work really good for like a one-off, even opening adventure uh, in this, in our stars without number universe. I like what you said uh, about, you know, a, a, a ship for a villain as well. So I think we should start with that. As like, what is our motivation for making our ship? What do you think? Yeah, um, I think one of those things is, I want to say, I think I've said this on the show before. There was a, a pod, another podcast I listened to, shout out to What Would the Smart Party Do? And one of their critiques of uh, sci-fi games is just like, no one really knows what the ships look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like if you're playing a Star Wars game and you say X-Wing, everybody knows what an X-Wing looks like. If you say Star Destroyer, everybody knows what that looks like to get a picture in their head. But if you're playing something that doesn't have like a mass appeal, like cultural touchstone knowledge, and you're just like, it's a mule class tramp freighter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Right. So I say we lean into that. And try and give something character through description and traits, since I don't think either one of us is particularly great at drawing starships. <laughs> I understand what you mean because I that's the first thing I did after I read the building a starship section on page 94. Uh I immediately started looking at other parts of the book, looking for pictures of what the starships actually look like. I know that this is something that's difficult to do for a book. I know that layout is difficult. I know that real estate is difficult. I know hiring uh, artists that represent your gaming ideas is a difficult and challenging process. But I think that this section, if I had to be critical, could have really used some example, even maybe blueprint style diagrams of what some common ships look like just to add to that flavor. Now, I will say that there are pictures of some ships in this book, and that did really help. But having them in this section, I think uh, it would have would have drastically helped with, uh, with with this part of the process. Yep. I do also have some tables I want to bring in from a supplementary material for this. If that's okay. Well, well, with the Jaunty Mantis season two, be without rollable tables. Um. Have you heard of Death in Space? No, what is that? It's basically the sci-fi Mork board game. Oh, right. Okay, I know what that is. Yeah. I didn't yep. realize that's what it was called, though. Yep, it's a beautiful, beautiful... Look, look. Oh, it's blur. Oh, I, I have a Your wizard background sanctum yeah. background is getting in the way, ooh, which is a ooh, sentence ooh. I never thought I'd ever utter in my life out loud. Yeah, that is a that's a nice-looking book. It's a great cover. It's like it just reads like Carpenter Brute the moment you look at it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so All let's right. do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to give our usual preface. Uh, Jesse and I like creating things together. We it's, it's, it's part of our process. It's something we've been doing as friends for years. 
Uh, and uh, we think that Stars Without Number is a valuable product. There are free versions of it online. None of it support financial or books or otherwise have been supplied to us. We bought these books with our own money. We love these games. We love Kevin Crawford as a game designer, and we recommend that you buy his work. Cool. All right. So before we get to the mechanical part to it, uh, one of the things that I really like uh, from Death in Space, and I think this works too for traveler-style games or Stars Without Number because that is very much a traveler-style game, is the idea that the spacecraft, what is its purpose? It's the hub for the PCs. Mm-hmm. So if we did a PC ship, did you did you want to do an adventure side ship first like or a PC ship first? Or do we want to have an adventure side ship that could become the PC ship? That that was kind of my goal to be efficient because I don't know how long this episode will end up being. Like I think this will be a, a pretty tight thirty to forty minutes at most. Okay. Because uh, I think there's only so much you can do with a ship. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking, like, why not design an adventure site that can turn into a ship? But I'm not opposed to just designing a straight up ship for the for our party to have if we were playing. Let's well. The thing that Death in Space has, it has this idea of the hub, mm-hmm. which is you. your characters have a hub, which is either a section of the ring space station that is central to the campaign or a spacecraft. And there's a background table mm-hmm. for uh, the spacecraft hub, like before the PCs got their hands on it. Yeah. Or about to. What's special about this? Do you want to roll a d20 and see if we can spark an idea? I do, but I already had ideas for this just by reading this section. Uh, oh, okay. But let's let's go ahead and roll and see how things line up. Because one of the cool things about this system uh, in designing your own ship is the core essentials and then modular features of building your own starship is presented very well. Uh, from anything from defense uh, systems, hull types, you know, what kind of loadout your ship would have, what kind of, um, you know, like uh, medical bays or fuel bunkers or drive upgrades or whatever. I thought that was very well done, very straightforward and easy to absorb. So what do I need to roll in this other system first? Uh, A D20. This is just a table we're using to get an idea, a narrative idea. I got a 20. Ooh. Old chrome ship once run by serially connected chrome mainframes. Today, the only communication system remains, which has an annoying personality. So basically, the ship was once an AI ship Mm -hmm. that ran AI connections, probably like it's it predates the scream with faster mm-hmm. than like travel stopped working but the only sentient part of it left is the communication systems which is really fucking irritating so basically the only function it has is to talk to you the communication systems is an ai mm-hmm. and it's a dick <laughs> of course it is yeah okay that's one of the the less weird ones we can get. I don't know. I mean, just. I like it. It adds an overall theme. If it's going to be, we would need to decide if we're running a campaign. If this is 
pre-tech, which is the name stars without number. Okay. I think I've explained this before, but just in case I haven't, stars without number is based on this idea that there was the mandate, which the Terran mandate, which was this galaxy spanning empire with this golden age of technology and paradise. And then at some point, a couple hundred years ago or something, there was an event called the scream and psychics eyes burned out all over known space and faster than light travel just kind of stopped working, isolating every star system just leaving them on their own for hundreds of years. Right. And fairly recently, people have started getting technology that lets them spike drives, they're called mm -hmm. um, drills that let them travel faster than light. Which making... I thought was fascinating, a fascinating take on faster than light travel. So essentially, if I'm understanding this correctly, there is a meta dimensional space that you use to travel faster than light. There is a specific trajectory or path in order to access that meta dimensional space, which creates essentially lanes um, in star systems that are in within proximity of the major star or gravitational well within a system. And then hitting that hyperdimensional space has certain factors to it about planning your route and like what is essentially like like uh, astronomical weather and um, hyperdimensional features, if I'm remembering correctly. So there's only certain areas in a system where you can enter and exit the metadimensional space, which I thought was a great way to kind of um, do something that sounds original enough, but also lets you transmit that. So if you wanted to run like Star Wars, for instance, in stars without number he just gave you hyperspace lanes you know like you you already have a mechanic for using it but if you didn't and you wanted to do your own thing or use the 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 cool system from the book you have it so i thought that was very clever of creating something that will work in different established science fantasy or science fiction genre yeah is that accurate yeah that's actually a really great description and i think that is the explanation if you remember back in our first sci-fi episode where i may have mentioned yeah you can't really travel farther than three hexes on the map that's why mm -hmm. and the other part of it too is that it takes a matter of days or or like a week in order to travel and it it's it's a piloting system that needs constant attention so you need at least three crew members to maintain the process of traveling through metadimensional space. Although one person can do it if they're on enough drugs to keep them up for a week straight in order to manage it. And I think that one of the things I love most about Kevin Crawford's games is that there's always this like dark edge to everything. And like the way that his ideas transmit into the book and the rules, which, you know, I can't imagine this is too different for everybody else. But for me, it just starts creating story and adventure like immediately. Yep. Like as soon as I read that part in the book, I was like, oh, man, I would love to do a game that starts out with a ship coming out of med metadimensional space uh, with the pilot being fucking hopped up on drugs, you know. Uh, or 
like for what I was thinking we would do tonight with creating like a one-off adventure site that gives the player characters their first ship without them having to buy it is that we use the ship uh, in a, like a reverse and like a, like a mystery, right? When they figure out what happened to this ship, that's when they activate it and get access to it. And I think with the cheeky AI and the communication systems, I think that's the perfect setup for like, they have to figure out what happened here and then tell the AI what they think happened. And when they get it right, the AI gives them the ship. Yeah. Does that work? And it can totally play it off as like ominous villain until they finally figure out it's just the communication system. Right. It actually can't, can't do fucking, it's just mind games. Right. Cause it's and, bored. Yeah, exactly. And imagine your player characters have not played your stars without number uh, game. This is maybe their first session. Um, and when they find this thing and they find that there's only one pilot on shift and he's dead and there's drugs in his system, this can be a great way to kind of teach how this works or, you know, thematically to the player base like it, depending on how much if they're a player like jesse they've read the book they know how this works and that's fine he can tell them what happened but that's a cool kind of like pseudo murder mystery of like why was the pilot apparently poisoned or seems like he was poisoning his drugs in his system why you know so wherever this shape ship came from it required at least a week's worth of travel through metadimensional space so where did it originate like I, that's kind of how I see this ship in the concept of the first adventure that gives it to them. Yeah. And then they track it back to where it came from and they find this cool planet with a city covering the whole <laughs> surface. Yeah. Buoys <laughs> orbiting the, uh, the planet warning them not to go to the Do planet because land. of zombies. Yes. <laughs> well, the buoys don't tell them what the problem is. That's right. If they told them what the problem is, they might not actually go there. But if the buoys say, warning, contamination zone, do not cross, and it's right. a city planet, they're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. So right. this is another thing, too. I don't know if you've got to read. Did you read about Maltech at all? I did not. Okay. What is Maltech? So Maltech is basically technology that was forbidden under the mandate. And uh, yeah, so basically um, unbraked AI is Maltech. Okay. So it might be fun if the uh, ship's communication system is Maltech, like it's okay. an unbraked AI. All right, I dig. Is um, a, does a psionic anchor point count as that, or is that more of a relic from the previous era? It's more of a relic. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I love it. So the first thing I thought we should do, obviously, is just start at the beginning and pick a hull type. Yeah. Uh, I think merchant. Free merchant? Free merchant. Yeah. It's like the most common type. And it's not, it's not a heavy frigate. It's not a bulk freighter. It's not ridiculously big. Um, my only concern is, are we going to have enough room to throw all the stuff we want in there? But we also have the idea of being what they can salvage ends up being the size of a free merchant. So if you want to use a little bit of creativity with this ship, you could say that there's like destroyed portions of it floating 
in space out from an origin point for okay instance. yeah so because yeah. you know there's there's lots of cool shit in this section you can throw into this ship okay so how much does a free merchant hull cost free merchant cost is 500k okay I'm writing all this down. It's got a speed value of three. It's got an armor of two. 20 hit points. Has a one out of six crew. So minimum of one, maximum six. It has an AC of 14. Power of 10. Mass of 15. It's hard is two and it's class is frigate okay so we got what do all these things available mean, power and the two things you need to do with the system when creating a ship that you really need to pay attention to uh are power and mass we have 10 power available and 15 mass available to cram it full of shit okay and we find our shit in the following pages Yes. yes so here's here there are two things i definitely want on this ship if we can manage it okay okay the first thing i want is a colony core but i want it to be an expended colony core and okay. a colony core dear listener is that the ship has been designed to act as a uh core for a future settlement so the design of the ship is that one day it is supposed to stop being a ship and start being a series of habitats. And I thought it would be hilarious if that when they come across this ship, the colony core portion of it has engaged and extended out in this space. And they have all oh, like of these it, like... It unpacked itself? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's part of the mystery of trying to figure out what it is because all that stuff is like, you know, encompassed by debris and has like uh like it, it lists like hydroponic gardens and fusion plants and living spaces and all of this stuff uh and so i i like the idea of filling these like components that have been expended out into space like a, like russian nesting dolls essentially is the way i looked at it and there's all this this weird shit floating around this spaceship uh for the players to figure out what you know what the hell happened here can they repack it? No, we don't want them to repack it. We want I them to have to a, leave it. That's a story element to me then. That's not a thing that actually takes up power or mass on the ship because it's been deployed. Even better. Yeah. What was okay. the other one? The other one was in the defenses category. Ship Starship defenses on page 101. And in there. it was... Let me see if I can find it. It was the um, boarding countermeasures. The ship has hardened bulkheads, reinforced hatches, and specifically designed automated kill corridors for wiping out intruders. Provided that the ship's bridge is still under control, the operator can prevent entry to the ship by any force that lacks shipyard-grade tools. So I thought it would be hilarious if this ship has boarding countermeasures on it to keep up the level of excitement and danger. 
And then I thought it would also be hilarious if the ship these people end up with still has boarding countermeasures on it that they have to deal with. It kind of gives a Farscape kind of feel like in the TV show Farscape science fiction show, the main characters are escaped prisoners on a ship, a living ship that was occupied by a military force. And there are later episodes in the seasons where they are discovering shit from that military force that's still on the ship that they didn't know because the ship is so big. But in this case, I thought it would be fun to give the players like hilarious hijinks and goof them ups around boarding countermeasures that they have to deal with. Okay. And I love, I love the idea that uh, the communications AI will take credit for them, but does not actually control them. Right. Yes. Yes. In any way, shape, or form. Right. Right. Because remember, the goal is to give like a one-off adventure that gives them their first ship. Okay. I'm going to put that down. Boarding countermeasures. 25K cost, power two, mass one, number symbol. Oh, that means it's doubled. That cost is uh, double multiplied by two for frigate size okay. vehicles. Okay. Okay. So we got eight power and 13 mass left. Okay. Is there anything you want to throw in the mix? I will say that there is something that I do not want. <laughs> okay. What is it? So talking about hyperspace and the drill thing, I don't think this thing has a drill regulator. Okay. Explain how this works. So the drill regulator makes it, uh, basically you take the pilot's skill and you double it. And if the jump is a number of hexes equal to that or less, you, it's an auto success. You don't have to roll for a mishap or to see what happens or what, what anything goes. And I think too, going back to the, the origin we just rolled, is like this thing was designed to be run by AI who would not have fucked up a jump, but all those AI are gone except the asshole communication system. Mm -hmm. And so that drugged out pilot never could afford to install a new one. Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, it's there's a chance for peril whenever you drill. Perfect. I love so it. I don't want to put a drill course regulator on it. Okay. Well, then we don't have to spend the power or the money on it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Are there any other fixtures? Going back to the fixtures, Starship fitting section. Is there like a research lab, boarding tubes, tubes, series of tubes? Um, are, you know, cold sleep pods, cargo space. Are there, there's gotta be some essential stuff that's on our ship, right? Like cold sleep pods. Or maybe I'm thinking of something different. Like mm -hmm. what if, <laughs> what if there is no like habitation portion of the ship yet? So the only way they can sleep is in the cold sleep pods, which are designed to contain you for like hundreds of years, if need be. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think? Yes. Cold Let's sleep pods, 5K, one power, one mass. 
keeps occupants in stasis. So there's no actual like bunks or living area. There's just barely enough cold sleep pods for the number of player characters that are crewing this ship. I guess six. Okay. Okay. Um, I say we give it a drive upgrade. Okay. Explain what a drive upgrade is for our listeners. So the drive upgrade basically increases the distance you can drill. The number it, of hexes you can drill. And, and I drilling say we go is the process four. of meta-dimensional space travel. Yeah, right. this thing can get four hexes away. Okay, why go over the standard three? Because we don't have that many stars in our system yet, or? Yeah, we don't have the many stars in our system, and also it just fits with the story of this thing being pre-tech. Right. And, then... like, and I think, I think too, like, if anybody ever found out that this thing has a drive four, it would be, like, people would be trying to steal this ship all the goddamn time. But it just looks so broke ass and yeah. beat that people are like nah like yeah it reminds me of that i think it was a saturday night live commercial skit they did back in the day about the luxury car that looks like it like a fucking beater on the outside but on the inside it's got like leather trim seats and like climate <laughs> control and like you know uh yeah so the, here's the other thing i love about what you just said though is because it is a payoff or a benefit in exchange for a hindrance. So the hindrance is, is they can't make perfect jumps, but then the trade-off is they have a ship that can make farther jumps, which, so there's an inherent value that they may or may not understand, but it is a great payoff for the hindrance of not having perfect jumps, jumps from that drill yeah. course regulator. And it's also insanely dangerous because nobody currently in the system like no unless they find some old archive and i think like you have to have you have to have spaceway maps that are like a month less than a month old in order to make it like an easy navigation like nobody has four four hex maps like because nobody else can do that yeah man this is opening up all sorts of great farscape style shenanigans uh, you know, like if they take on a job and they have somebody and they have to make a jump with that person on there and that person suddenly realizes that they're jumping farther than a standard ship can do that. And then they try to take over the ship or take yep. or steal the ship from them. Like, love it. Love it. Okay. So drive four upgrade. Mm-hmm. 40K. I mean, there might be a TL5 world we haven't rolled up yet but well i imagine that and you know um maybe this could be like i don't know if we ever did patreon do patreon content where we finish out designing the stars for this system uh for the i'm sorry for this setting but at the moment with the limited number of stars that we created in order to try to keep this uh instead of season two being stars without numbers uh you know it plays into that aspect Okay, we have three power left. Okay. Because that, that was a hefty chunk of power and mass for that drive. <laughs> we, have th uh, we have nine mass and seven power. Okay. Um, what are some other essential stuff that we should absolutely not skip on? 
We don't have we cabins. Have so we don't have to worry about that. Oh, yeah. We're going to need some weapons, right? Yep. So a typical ship of this type, a free merchant, they have um, a multifocal laser and a sand thrower. What is a sand thrower? It sprays a whole bunch of tiny, really dense particulate matter. This is another thing I love about this game is that it uses these qualities of space. You know what I mean? Like this is like, this is so underutilized in science fiction. A lot of classic science fiction is the fact that debris is a weapon in space. Projectile debris is, is dangerous. Yeah. You basically could just have like a claymore, like mine full of pebbles like on the side of your hole and if a fighter's doing a run at you you just blow it and then like yeah. and then they hit a pebble going hundreds of thousands of miles per hour and right. like <laughs> you know what this system would be perfect for you probably already do or you probably suggested it but uh like a while ago i wanted to do a game where the player characters start on a planet out in the fringe systems that's being abandoned by a galactic empire blah 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 that's used up and taken all of its resources and as soon as that big mothership leaves there's not going to be any trade or or uh ingress or egress off of the planet so they're basically just abandoning everybody who lives there now that they've used them to extract all the resources and the gameplay experience was for the player characters to hobble together enough pieces to make a shuttle which then will get them into atmosphere which then they can use all the garbage in space surrounding the planet to make a viable ship and then leave the planet and this system would be perfect for that game you know what I recommended at the time? Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I'm starting to realize. Yeah. Yeah. But then you so wouldn't have gotten this, this I just, told you so moment. <laughs> I got some really good advice once that I've been trying to live by and teach my kids. Don't make it about being right. <laughs> that must be excruciating for you. Oh my God. It's so fucking hard. Um, but it's really good advice. So uh, I've, I've been happier in the world since I tried to follow it. Uh, I, I just want to share this to listeners too. Uh, you may have heard a little bit of hints of it. One of the recurring themes in Maddie and I's conversations, Matt says, I want to do this and I want to hack 3.5 or like hack this to do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, there's already a system that does that. It's <laughs> And then I disregard what he says. Yeah. So we have a problem with our multifocal laser. Okay. Takes up too much power. It, it's, it is a power hog. All right. The last of, of our power is going to get used up by the sand thrower. Okay. Let's go see in our rigging if we can trade mass for power some way. Ooh. I'm not familiar with this concept. So what are we doing now? Uh... I'm looking, I'm going back to see if there's some sort of generator or precognitive nav chamber. God, you can do 40K in this. 
additional fuel bunkers, fuel, fuel scoops, lets you harvest fuel from gas, mission manager, drill space, colony crew, skill bonus for research. I just like the spike. Do you want to do you want to upgrade the hull? Do you want to make it bigger? Yeah. Look, this this ship has defensive countermeasures that the player characters are going to have to deal with even after they've taken over the ship. I think it's okay to give them a little bit extra or even a lot extra on the other side of it. Emission dampers, no. Extended stores. Refinery. Well, what's the next class up? It is... Either Patrol a heavy... Boat has less... It's got to be a heavy frigate or a bulk freighter. Yeah... Because a Corvette is a small combat frigate, a patrol boat. Um, it's a light frigate built heavy enough to overall small merchant vessels while still being relatively cheap to build and crew. Okay, if we're going up to cruiser size, the hashtags mean the costs increased by four, so I don't think we get the trade-off necessarily okay. there i i we were so excited about all the potential of the spike drive but that's that's where we could save it if we wanted to keep it just a merchant uh mm. a free merchant we could dial that down to like a two is that something we could reveal later once they, in order to access it, they have to start making modifications to the ship to account for the fact that it has too high of a power cost? Yes. Because remember, they found this thing in space, and part of it has a habitat, colony habitat, that exploded out the side of it. Okay, I'll downgrade us to a drive two. Okay, now we have five power available and 11 mass perfect more cold sleep pods atmospheric configuration yeah we'll probably need that so they don't have to fucking live on this ship in space <laughs> so it can fly in atmosphere although we could to really just tighten the screws give not give it atmospheric configuration but give it a, a cargo lighter so they have to shuttle down <laughs> to any planet they go to oh i misunderstood what that meant yeah okay yeah make them shuttle okay spaceships it's the same be... it's the same mass cost so yeah make them shuttle okay uh cargo lighter is 25k Shuttling down to the planet is like an iconic trope of science fiction. Um, fuel bunkers. 
fuel bunkers. Let's see here. I mean, the typical ship is only supposed to have enough fuel for one meta dimensional jump, right? Yep. So fuel bunkers are letting you carry an additional. Yep. I would rather go with something else because I would rather okay. make the pursuit of fuel a necessary component of the gameplay experience. Cool. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be ideal. They just found it. <laughs> yeah, this is their starter ship. They can either scrap it out for parts or modify it. And we should... And that's why we're putting little Easter eggs in it for them to modify it. Smuggler's hold? Okay. Because you gotta have a smuggler's hold. Are we gonna put anything in the smuggler's hold for them to find? Of course. Like one of those dinosaur creatures from that yeah. Cold War yeah, planet? That was, that was immediately what I was thinking. <laughs> Because that was one of my requests in episode, uh, you know, part two of our science fiction series. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. And... Do we want to give him back the laser? Yeah, then we'll give him a multifocal laser, and I think we're good. Yeah. Wow. This episode was really inside baseball. Power five... I don't know. I think we got some cool story beats out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that that's what we do. What's the AI's name? Uh, Chip. Okay. Or Kemp. See, I'm just doing total costs for or Brian. Brian. Yeah. Or Roses. How about the Rose is the name of the ship? Okay. These are pizza multifocal laser is expensive. Mm, pizza. Let's look at all this shit you can throw onto a ship. Augmented plating, burst ECM generator, point defense lasers, mag right. spike array. At a total cost of 697 5,000 credits. The Rose. With a speed of 3, armor of 2, 20 hit points, armor class of 14, and 0 of 10 power and 6 of 15 mass is complete. Excellent. Look at that. You got a uh, one-shot adventure and a ship. Oh, two-shot. They're not going to find the smuggler's component the first game. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's the lead into the next adventure. How do you think things went? Will we I have any lessons that, learned? Uh, you know, I don't normally build vehicles. Um, Just or, use them right out of the book? Yeah, I use what's in the book, uh, homebrew them, but I, I liked... I mean, obviously, you know I love uh, OSR, so getting to roll on a table to kick things off with just a crazy idea mm -hmm. um like building it to have story building yeah. it to have reveal i felt really good and it's probably not something i would have done on my own but is now something i'll suggest to everybody oh yeah that's that's how i try to do anything when creating a game is like how can this be a cool reveal or a story point 
or an interesting character. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? They you have know? stats, so the mechanics work. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously these rules are in there for your player characters to design their own ship, which is, you know, a great, like, between, you know, between runs kind of gameplay experience. Like, in next session, you guys are going to build your ship. Like, I would be excited about that as a player character, you know, in in your space opera adventure or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, we kind of had to come at it from a different angle because we're not we're not playing in a game. So it's like, well, designing a ship just would be boring. Like, all right, well, we're going to put a big beefy arm on the back of this part. And you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, we just did our thing. Add a little bit of story, add a little bit of danger, add a little bit of fun. A little bit of country, a little bit of rock and roll. Okay. It was a good time. Yeah. Thanks. So what are we doing for next episode, Jesse? Because uh, I kind of mismanaged our episode numbers. I didn't realize we uh, we had a little b- bit of a blank spot. Episode 12, we're going to do microscope. Yes. We're do a session of mi- microscope. So what are we going to fill in for next episode, episode 11? Uh, episode 11, we have one more Kevin Crawford book to visit. <laughs> And we, and I think we need to lean into the hilarious misunderstanding from the text message when we talked about this. Yeah. So the other Kevin Crawford game that I've mentioned a couple times uh, is Wolves of God. The conceit of that book being it's written by a 7th century Anglo-Saxon monk about the role-playing game of 7th century Anglo-Saxons and is a role-play game of being a 7th century Anglo-Saxon. And it has tables too for designing like an abbey That'll be the focal point for an adventuring party. And then Maddie said, Hey, how, how can we like make this go across all our things? Like have it be space. So now I'm like, Oh, well now we're going to make space Abbey. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we'll actually stick to that, but it sounds like a fun challenge. Maybe we'll make the normal Abbey first and then be like, how could we stick this in? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm addicted to ideas. And so my text, my follow-up text to Jesse was, you know, sometimes you need to, not sometimes I'm like, you need to rein me in sometimes. But the funny thing was I was trying to, uh, talk and type at the same time as, uh, as my girlfriend was driving the car and what I typed first, but didn't hit send was you need to resign. <laughs> so after that long discussion, I almost sent you a text demanding your resignation. How dare oh. you, sir, for refuting be on opinion. your desk by the morning. All right. Well, jauntymantis at gmail.com, the jauntymantis on Twitter. Is Thread still a thing? I mean, it ostensibly exists, but I haven't looked at it in months, and I never gained any traction there, so. All right, fair enough. All right, well. If you would like to develop a parasocial relationship and run our social media for us for no. no pay and no thanks. No. 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 Okay. No. No, just let it sit out there like a buoy in dead space, casually warning people not to enter the atmosphere for a city planet, but never getting to the point on exactly why. Okay. That's what our social media is. Yep. Don't land here. Don't. Don't land here. That's our social media. That should be, it should just be with the, anyway. All right. Well, 
until next time get out there and design your own spaceship for a cool sci-fi game and play some fucking games and shit yeah all right i love you merlin man i don't know how to respond to that i love you too (laughs) 